0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Rocket IT. Experiencing malware, data loss, or a recurring technical glitch? Your technology should be seamless to your team. Visit rocketit.com forward slash roadmap help or click the link in this video's description to see how you can benefit from one of our personalized roadmaps. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Matt Hyatt, and this is show number 22 of the Rocket IT business podcast. Today, we're talking with my friend and fellow entrepreneur, Brandon Hutchins. Before we dive in, let me tell you a few things I like about Brandon. First and foremost, Brandon has a big heart for people around him. And I think that shows in everything he does. He's an employee turned business owner, and he's been an amazing steward of the organizations he leads. And yes, that's right. Organizations, plural. As if one business weren't enough to keep him busy, Brandon is involved in multiple businesses at the same time. Brandon is also a very hands-on coach for the leadership team at work. He leads a men's group through his church and actively supports and mentors other entrepreneurs, all while raising a family with his wife, Nancy. Brandon, welcome to the show.
1: It's great being here. Thanks, Matt.
0: And I'm so glad to uh, sit down with you. Uh, We had a little chat beforehand, catching up a little bit, but uh, I always enjoy spending time with you. Brandon, you live on the other side of town, so we don't get to see each other in person too often. But glad for technology like Zoom let us get together and uh, hang out a little bit.
1: Way on the other side of the world in Marietta, Georgia.
0: That's right. Well, you know, it's probably not uh, very many miles, but as we all know, traffic is horrendous around here, even during the pandemic. And so, yeah,
1: COVID you know, it also... has helped, but it's still, it's still not just a still stop skipping a job.
0: So I want to kind of start off. And the way back machine here a little bit. I know you graduated from Georgia Tech, which means you're super sharp. I know that and uh, engineering background. Right out of school, you landed a job with a little tiny company called Ernst and Young. Uh, I'd love to kind of hear a little bit about that. How did that happen? Was that your your aim? And uh, was it what you expected when when you got in there?
1: Yeah, I've I thought through that period of time a lot. I have a senior in high school. I have one in college, and One is a senior in high school and two that are younger, but we've been talking about college and we've been talking about career and all that kind of stuff. And to be honest, man, I didn't know, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I, uh, you know, I liked math. I liked the uh, technical side of things. And I was thinking about sports to a certain degree and, Anyway, I ended up going to tech and without that vision for what I wanted to do with my life. Mm-hmm. And I kind of looked around. I, I was very driven. The joke that I kind of have is I kind of looked around and said, Well, the Coke building is kind of one of the biggest buildings. I, I sure would like to be the CEO of Coke one day.
0: So <laughs> there you go. Is like, there's still I, a chance. <laughs> yeah,
1: there's still a chance. But, uh, you know, I I didn't know what I wanted to do, and consulting really felt like a great avenue for me. It's like, you know, I'm going to be exposed to businesses. Hopefully, I can add some value to to them along the way. And, you know, it was a really good fit for me. It was great because there were just a ton of sharp people. I loved the way they structured their business and got to travel a lot, which at the time was kind of cool. Don't know if I'd love that today, but back then it was nice and just made a ton of friends. And I think one of the things that I really enjoyed at Ernst and Young, they did a good job of showing you how to how to do well. They define success for you. You know, mm-hmm. so it was like, hey, if you want to win here, here are the bullets, you know. And my personality is like, give me a checklist or a bullet <laughs> list. And I'm like, yeah, that so if I want to do well, that's what I have to do to either, you know, get good ratings or get promoted to the next level. And I appreciated that. And they did that while connecting the culture piece of the equation. So I think that was mm-hmm. the first time my eyes were open to what a good culture looked like. And I really enjoyed just being with the people and meeting tons of friends that uh, really I kept in touch with, uh, even some to this day. So
0: wow. How was long a, did you end up... Being there,
1: I was only there for two and a half years, and it probably felt like ten. Um, oh, really? <laughs> uh, we, as fun as it was, we we worked a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. That was, uh, you know, that's kind of you know somewhat of the tradition as the the younger folks in the organization. We we worked a lot, and uh, but I enjoyed it. You know, I think when you're doing something that you're enjoying, you the time seems to fly. You know, right, and. So we, yeah,
0: I, I piled in the hours in that period of time. <laughs> so you mentioned something that I think a lot of young people face is, you know what, before we know it, we're legally an adult before we know it, you know, with 20, 22 years, 25 years old, and not everyone's sort of figured out what they want to do yet. I think college can be a great place to figure that out, but I am curious your your degree at Georgia Tech did that kind of line up with what you were doing at Ernst and Young?
1: So as an IE, it's kind of is definitely not open ended. But I think what I ended up doing in consulting was not traditional industrial engineering work. I think traditional industrial engineering work would be more like uh maybe being a production manager or a assembly line manager at a distribution center, you know, maybe even maybe even uh, air traffic control, you know, mm-hmm. things that deal with scheduling and time and efficiency and process. That's really a lot of what IEs do. But I think that's one of the reasons why Ernst and Young and and really at the time the big six consulting firms really liked IEs because there was kind of a people dynamic. And a process, and those were kind of the big buzzwords at the time: people, process, and technology. And so, you know, at Tech, you had the technology and the IE process. And you know, I think they they were looking for people that could relate with other people too. So, right, seemed to be a good fit.
0: Yeah. So, what was the, what was the transition from there to Gaskets? Am I missing anything in the middle, or was it? <laughs> hey, I'm leaving Ernst Young. I'm going to work for, for Gaskins.
1: It was tough. It was tough. I, I probably, here, here's
0: a little. Because Gaskins was a small business when you joined, right? Yeah. Um, so you probably came from this very rigid, structured environment to yeah. something less than that. So quick backstory,
1: because I feel like it's it's important. So Gaskins Gaskins was founded in, uh, by my stepdad, Johnny Gaskins. And so when I was growing up, Johnny, it was very important for him, for me to work. Even though I played a bunch of sports and was really involved in school and church, he was like, when you're not playing a sport, you're going to work. And so every summer and winter, I was working on a field crew at Gaskins. And so to be honest, I hated it. I mean, I hated it. (laughs) I just, um, you know, I the especially in the summertime with the 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 bees and the the sweat and you know i just i i i knew early on that it would be better for me to use my brain than my brawn in my work <laughs> and i have tons of respect for folks that do you know have a trade and and really work with their hand you know i just that's just not was not going to be my best uh for sure right so anyway I just, in my mind, when I thought of career for me, I felt like Gaskins was the least place in the whole world that I wanted to go work. (laughs) And really the only reason that I did. What a
0: cruel twist of faith.
1: Yeah. um, (laughs) You know, I guess as part of my life and maybe this is, you know, just part of my story, my faith has been, you know, it's the most important thing to me and, And it's really the reason why I came to Gaskins. Um, I I really felt like both my wife, Nancy, we both just felt led that I needed to talk to Johnny about potentially coming to Gaskins. And I did not want to do it, but I felt like that's what I was supposed to do. And I'll save some of the details of kind of what actually happened, but Johnny actually was uh, offered to sell the business In 99 and ultimately he decided not to and he wanted to grow the business and so he was like why don't you come on board and help us grow the business help us grow the business and uh, he was a funny guy he was like he he was a very shoot from the hip type of a person and highly relational and he uh, Matt you know me I'm a very structured Mm -hmm. um, you know linear thinker type of a person so we're pretty opposite. And he, his his offer to me started with, you know, Brandon, I don't even know what you do really at Ernst & Young, <laughs> but I just want you to come over here and just do to Gaskins what you do to all these other companies. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, as someone who needs clear expectation and needs right. clear direction, that was the direction that I got. So and he didn't give like, me the list. <laughs> yeah. I said, can you define my job a little more than that? And he was just like, no, you'll figure it out. Wow. And so uh, as someone who, whenever I do not uh, have structure around me, I'm usually one to try to immediately create structure. So
2: mm-hmm.
1: I would I would always bring my job responsibilities to Johnny and say, hey, is this okay if I do this? And he's like, I don't care. Yes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> do it.
0: <laughs> so you're a pretty humble guy, but what, was this a rescue situation of, hey, Brandon and to no. come in and turn things around or was it really just you know what I've got a plan now and it's to you know to the moon baby and I want you to come help me
1: um it wasn't it wasn't a rescue because you know Johnny was doing just fine um and the business was a nice business they had 40 40 to 50 people at that time he started in 75 so that was about 25 years, 25 year old business. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were doing fine, but there were things that I had been exposed to when I was working there through time that I knew needed to change, that he wanted to change. I think he just wanted it to be better. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to, he knew that the business at the time really focused on him. Like Mm -hmm. every all roads, came back to Johnny and that was, he was kind of in an unhealthy place personally. And so I think he needed, he needed help taking the business to the next level.
0: Yeah.
1: Or, or as we used to say, going from an entrepreneurial type of a business to a professional organization. Mm -hmm. And that's what we did. We did a lot of that working together, but, but it's back to your last question. Man, it was like oil and water. I mean, I, it was really hard because the environments were just completely different.
0: Right. For sure. Right. Well, I know a lot of businesses, dare I say most businesses, do hit certain plateaus. And certainly for a small organization, one of the plateaus is, okay, everything's tied to the entrepreneur and how do you disconnect from that? And. hmm how do you develop a, a leadership team that has not just responsibility, but authority uh, to make decisions and things like that. And then of course there are the processes, you know, I can't imagine a, probably a more stark difference between an organization like Ernst and Young and pretty much any small business, right. You know, in terms of uh, structure, there's just, it's going to be night and day, I would think. So I'm curious what, so what was your approach and, and what happened? What, what, what are we talking about here? Are we talking about, hey, come on in 1999 and two years later, everything's humming? Is that how it kind of worked or was there more, more to it? Well. And when, by the way, and when you joined, was the plan, I'm going to own this business someday? No,
1: my plan, well, th- that might've been part of Johnny's plan, but that was not part of my plan. You know, <laughs> I really thought, I'm going to get in and get out. I'm going to All right. I'm going to get in and I'm going to change a bunch of stuff and I'm going to get back to the the dream that I had, you know. Uh, How's that working you, for you? <laughs> 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 and here I am 21 <laughs> years later after that, but uh you know, but it really hurt me the way I approached what I did. The results were good. We mm-hmm. we experienced a lot of growth. We went from like 3.45 million to 4.88 million the first year. Wow. And we went Wow. That's um, pretty impressive. We went from actually we I remember we had 56 employees to like 47. So we went down in employees and up in revenue. That and, helps the
0: bottom line uh, usually.
1: Yeah, Johnny was very happy. That, that was was <laughs> good. Um he would he was happy, but to, I tell you I um I think I pressed a lot of buttons and pulled levers in the right ways for the business, what the business needed. But, uh, it was personally very difficult for me because I wasn't, I, I don't, at that time in my career, I would just say I didn't see people well, Mm -hmm. it was just more like moving chess pieces on the board, Mm -hmm. implementing strategy and really forcing my agenda more than, um, really doing things with care. and. You know, I kind of viewed my job a little bit as Johnny's lynchman, you know. Really? You know, wow. it's like all the things that he kind of secretly wanted to do. Basically, I was like, well, I'm going to go do them immediately. And I don't even care what the repercussions are because they need to happen. Hmm. And as you can imagine, I wasn't the most popular person uh, <laughs> right. in the room. Right. And and if I would have known that I would be here 21 years later, I, I I probably would have gone about things a little bit differently, Mm -hmm. but I think I would do things differently anyway, kind of knowing what I know now and really the change that has incurred in my life as a leader.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, just saying, you know, the word lynchman and not taking people into account so much is sort of the polar opposite of the Brandon Hutchins I know. So, uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll get into a little bit of how how that version of you has developed and and gotten there. So, I know from uh, talking with you in the past and from my show notes here that uh, you spent about six years as employee. And how, what happened during that time that sort of changed your mindset? You know what? I I, were, I really want to own this. I, w- I want to run it, and I want to own it. How, how did that occur?
1: Well, the running it was a different path than the owning it path, for sure. Really? Hmm. Yeah. The running it part, I think over time, as I began to change as a leader, I I really began to see, I mean, honestly, as, as I began to change personally, as it relates to people and the way I saw people and the way... I wanted to care for people. It was interesting how I began to enjoy my job a whole lot more Mm. and develop relationships, friendships, clients, employees. And it kind of, you know, it really turned from the thing that I least wanted to do in my whole life to something that was so, I was so grateful for. And I have just a tremendous amount of gratitude for the opportunities that I've had along the way. I guess when I became CEO, I was like 31 or 32. Um, really? So wow. You're pretty pretty
0: young. Yeah. And was but Johnny still Johnny, there at that point?
1: Yeah, Johnny was there. And I, he, you know, I just, uh, I feel, I I feel so bad about the way I, I've just learned so many things about, being the number one versus being the number two. And probably as being the number two, I think you just have a propensity to look at number one and think of all the things that they should be doing better or why they're not perfect and why the attributes that you have are better than the attributes that number one has. (laughs) You know, you begin to inflate your own virtue and deflate the virtue of the person above you. Actually, I think you can do that not just in a one, two, but anytime you look at a supervisor and you feel like you should be um, promoted. And, you know, I just feel like Johnny was so gracious with me. He was so patient and gracious. I was so driven and I wanted more. And he he just gave me enough rope to do what I needed to do, but also enough accountability to kind of keep me in check and, you know, I think he just knew it was time. When he began to see me start really loving people, I think was when he really started to consider, hey, I think Brandon can lead this organization and, yeah. and it's time. And the real, I know this is something that you want to talk about at some point, but there was a, there was a person Jeremy Kubicek was a real influencer in our transition of the business. And
0: so Jeremy's yeah. been a, a guest on our podcast before. And many of our listeners are familiar with Giant. So good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So Jeremy, I met Jeremy in 2003 at a, at a conference and we hit it off immediately. And we circled back about a year later and then we started working together. He started working with me and with Johnny and our leadership team and helped really Johnny to begin to transition the business. And there was really one day we were in the conference room and Jeremy did this exercise. And he said, I want y'all each to take 15 minutes and write down on a piece of paper, what do you actually want to do? Mm. And what do you think you're good at? And we both wrote down the pieces of paper, slid it over to Jeremy and he's like, I'm just going to read these out loud. (laughs) And he's like, Johnny, you don't even want to be the CEO and you don't even think you think Brandon would be, you know, it's like all these things. It's like, why don't, why don't we just let Brandon be the CEO? And wow. And I didn't know thing. that that
0: was Jeremy's idea basically.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, it's like, it I mean, so I guess it was Johnny's
0: on. idea, but he he's the one that yeah, yeah. brought it out of you. Well, on the two pieces of
1: paper, it was so clear that Johnny wanted to be in more of a founder type role
0: mm-hmm.
1: and more of a mentor type role on the technical stuff. And he was like, I don't want to run the business. And Brandon, that's, this is what he wants to do. And he's good at it, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was like this epiphany. And literally, I think maybe the date was February, late February of 2006. He, we had a town hall meeting. March the third, and he was like, "Okay, you're going to be the CEO. We're going to announce it today."
2: Whoa!
1: <laughs> and I was like, "What? Hold on, hold on. Like, I don't know about that." And uh, actually, it was very emotional. I, I keep this behind my desk, but Johnny, uh, he had this hammer that his that his dad gave him, and
2: uh, wow,
1: he said, "I don't have this uh, anything too special, but." I just want you to see this as a symbol of me passing the gavel um, to you. Nice. And so I keep it, I keep it here behind my desk.
0: Love it. It's, uh, so it's the held up pretty well.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of backstory and I won't bore you with a lot of backstory from 2006 to 10, but. Essentially he was diagnosed with ALS in 2007, the recession um, we started to be, we started to feel the effects of the recession in late 2007. And, um, Cali, if you want to hear more, I'll tell you more, but through that period of time, it was, it was pretty dicey. And Mm -hmm. as we talked about ownership, as he was getting more sick, it was something that I was very interested in, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: but I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't really sure about our future as a company or my future and my role and what was I going to do with the rest of my life. And so I was, I was really hesitant about going the ownership route, but, yeah.
0: uh, well, anyway. especially I would imagine, you know, in, in the really, I guess we, we would call this the construction industry. Once you started to see it, uh, I don't think there were a lot of people diving in and say, you know, I want a piece of this action. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it was uh it was scary and actually Jeremy once again was mm-hmm. an influencer in um in that decision and you know I was it was 2010 and we were talking and I I, I was like, well maybe maybe giant. And we can talk about that later, but you know, is there going to be a path of recovery for Gaskins? Right. And Jeremy, he said to me, you know, he's like, you're too committed. You're like, you, you will not leave. You will not leave this thing in a lurch. I know you too well. <laughs> you know, yeah. he said, if, you know, stop thinking that you might just do something different because you won't, you're going to see this thing through. So you might as well, you might as well buy it, own it, you know, for your efforts if, if it does work out. And, and so that was really the push that I needed. And uh, I ended up buying half of the business, which I could have never afforded, you know, years before, but we had, we, we were hurt very badly in the mm-hmm. recession big time.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. So you ended up buying the business in 2010. By that time you'd been in there 10, 11 years, something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. What a, what a cool story. I, you know, I think that, uh, there are lots of lots of folks out there that sort of dream of being an entrepreneur someday and struggle to figure out how to how to make it happen and you know there are extenuating circumstances here there are fortuitous uh, circumstances here you know Johnny owning the business and you know being your stepdad and but you made it happen and you made it happen uh, amidst a crisis really in the industry and it seems like it's working out okay It seems seems like it's going to work out fine. Well,
1: multiple people, you know, when as, uh, in you know, the last five years are like, of course you would have. And I'm (laughs) like, well, I tell you, it was probably the riskiest move I'd ever made in my life.
0: Right. And And you're not a big risk taker, are you?
1: Yeah. You know me well (laughs) enough to know that I'm 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 pretty safe. I'm in the safe zone. And uh, it was definitely the most money I'd ever, you know, when going into debt. Uh, it was it was uh, in hindsight, it was like, yeah, it's greatest decision, you know, from a business standpoint that I, I had made, but whew, at the time it was it was tough,
0: yeah, so tell tell me what does Gaskins look like today what's what's sort of the primary focus, and how big is it where Where do you do work? tell us a little bit about that, and then I think yeah. we're gonna move on from there,
1: okay. Gaskins is a surveying and engineering company in Marietta, Georgia. We do have four offices. We serve most of Georgia and some of surrounding states. Mm -hmm. And so when I say civil engineering, really I'm talking about like civil site work. So we might design residential neighborhoods or commercial retail, that kind of stuff. We do a lot of different surveying and public, private, municipal industries. We, So I'll just give you this stat. So we had gotten down to 18 employees and we're probably about one and a half million in revenue Mm -hmm. in the recession. At that point of our top 20 customers that we had at the time, 18 of those 20 either went out of business or stopped doing work altogether.
0: That is amazing.
1: And so what our industry looked like before the recession looked completely different growing out of the recession. And so, you know, now we have about 100 people, four offices. We're in Lawrenceville, we're in Noonan, and we're in Canton. And two of those happened through acquisition, uh, and one was more of an organic growth situation.
0: That is um, awesome. So we may we may come back and touch on that topic just a little bit because there's you know there we could do a whole podcast on just you know how, how to grow an organization how to scale uh, and how to do it well and there's lots of, lots to unpack in there potentially of for example how do you how do you develop a leadership team to do that well how do you have a geographically dispersed team. That's not, you know, you've got four times the overhead that I do with my one location of here. And so how do you, how do you do that? You know, there, there's a lot that we get into there, but, but there's a lot of other things I want to cover too. And I'd like to kind of go back to the giant part because that's how okay. you and I met, right? We were yeah. both uh, active and and uh, helping with uh, what Jeremy was doing in giant. So tell us a little bit about that. At some point you transitioned from being a uh, customer uh, of giant to really roll up your sleeves and becoming part of Giant. Tell tell us about how that happened.
1: Well, I was, I'll just say that I was so impacted by Jeremy and my time kind of in those early years that as Giant Impact came about, I was a part of buying into that and kind of the, the whole leadership company that was created there and, Um, I think my exposure to the content with Jeremy and the content through giant impact. And then ultimately when he came together with Steve Cochran, it it was kind of embedded in me Mm -hmm. and it had created so much change in the way I thought about things and my life and my purpose. It was just like, why would I, I, I've got to give, I've got to give away what's been given to me. And so mm-hmm. I it it really wasn't even a question of would I be involved in Giant Worldwide. It's just like, how much can I, that reasonably makes sense. And so you and I, in those early days when Giant Worldwide was formed, uh, driving to, uh, I think, Jacksonville. Is that what we drove to Jacksonville? Yeah, Jacksonville,
0: uh, Jacksonville yeah.
1: Getting our uh, Myers-Briggs training
0: uh-huh.
1: kind of. Getting ready, which was awesome. I mean, I loved the just kind of like more tools in the tool belt on growing myself and also people around me in my business and to help others. So that was that. That was a fun. That was a fun little journey.
0: It was. So, uh, Giant Worldwide. Yeah, you and I kind of came up together through that. And one of the cool things about Giant Worldwide is they've done a great job, I think, of taking taking leadership principles and concepts and turning them into a vocabulary and really simple illustrations or tools so that they're memorable and easy to deploy and use uh, in an organization there you go exactly there's the toolkit right there i know that i have i have some of my favorite tools out of out of that toolkit i'm curious what's what are some of your favorites what are the ones that are go to for you
1: well, some of the probably some of the more foundational ones are the ones that I use all the time, and it's hard to just name them and not describe them. But um, there's one about knowing yourself to lead yourself. You know, mm-hmm. there's, I and mean, that I just feel like that's so applicable. There's one called the influence model where I it was really a part of Jeremy and I's time together in the early 2000s when he developed it and I kind of was tweaking it and living it and implementing it. And so naturally that, that tool, you know, you probably made me cry if I think about (laughs) all the, all the, all the impact that it's had in my life and in others. But you know, we, I use that in, in hiring, recruiting and hiring.
0: Really? Uh, Yeah. I, can you give trust. us a quick overview of, of of what the influence model is,
1: yeah, sure i there so essentially, the influence model is a tool that's used to help almost give a linear path on how to have influence with another person, how to build influence with another person, how to go beyond. transactional relationship to basically a meaningful in-depth relationship with somebody else. Or if you, there is a relationship in your life and you don't have the level of influence that you think you should have or would like to have. It's a, it's kind of a diagnosis tool that I, you know, I'm like, why do I not have relationship? And it can help you with that. So the four concepts that I use the most, for hiring and recruiting are building trust. Basically, you've got to check four boxes: character, chemistry, competence, and credibility. So when my team, when we're looking at folks, we're we're trying to check those boxes and we use that language to communicate with each other, like, man, this really smart candidate. They uh, we know that they know their stuff, but but they can't really translate it in a way that connects to what we need in our business, which Mm. is a credibility issue, right? Right. Or, man, they're really smart, but there was just no connection whatsoever. It Mm. seemed like they, you know, they they only cared about winning or it was all about money to them. Mm. And so that's more of a chemistry character issue. So we use that pretty frequently in our language.
0: Yeah. I think those are great, Concepts to be thinking about, because i I know I know from experience, and I bet you do too, when you decide that you need to hire another person and add them to the team, usually it's well, I need them now, right <laughs> uh, we try to plan for those things, and we'll probably get better at it over time, but oftentimes when you're trying to grow a business, I need that person three weeks ago, or I've opened a position and it takes three months to fill it by the time that it actually gets filled wow we're really. Kind of hurting for this position, so often there's a lot of pressure to pick the first human that walks through the door that knows the stuff. You know, knows and the man. Thing. It's
1: hard to <laughs> say no. It's hard to say no when you know you have a need, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So I like the idea of intentionally uh, going through uh, those those four check boxes, as you call them, just to make sure that it's right, because we yeah. all know that. Well, I think we do. Maybe, maybe we don't all know. But, but you and I know that as painful it is, as it is to be without someone in a position, it's a way worse to go ahead and get the wrong person in the position and then just deal with that. Absolutely. It just takes, it takes a lot. So I, I like the intentionality. So I want to talk a little bit about that acquisition piece that you were discussing. This is this is something that uh, I certainly haven't mastered. I think uh, some of our listeners probably would be interested to hear. How how does how does that work? How, first of all, how do you find an acquisition target? How do you decide whether or not it's a it's a good move for your business uh, and the other person? And is your approach typically to bring the entrepreneur along with that acquisition, or are you really looking for an asset type? purchase. Can you tell us a little bit about how you how you go about that?
1: Well, I wish there was like a one path and a clear path for each of the acquisitions that I've done. And I've done more than just for the new locations. I think the consistent thing in all the acquisitions have all been about just trying to find great people.
0: Mm. Okay. And So it's more about the talent rather than necessarily the customer base.
1: Right. Which in my business, you know, we're a service-based business. And so you're really only as good as your people because Mm -hmm. our people are, they're the ones doing all the interfacing with the clients and producing the product and with the counties and municipalities. And so they're, you know, so anyway, I, it, it has been a good mechanism to, to To draw in great talent. And sometimes it's been very intentional to try to go into a, another location, as we've strategically said, hey, we wanna be in Lawrenceville. Right. but But the Lawrenceville was probably more of a, it was more of an organic growth situation. So I have been intentional to look for opportunities the best connections have always been through just word of mouth and people just making people connections. Mm. And, and then after that, it just starts with just getting to know people for me. This is my, my way is the chemist, the character chemistry piece is, you know, when it comes to an acquisition, character chemistry leads by eons, you know, it's like, it is a big deal for a person who owns a business to give up ownership of their business. Mm -hmm. And I understand that is a big deal. It's a big deal to have it and to carry the weight of responsibility. So I know when I'm talking to somebody who, who has been carrying that weight, you know, I just try to sit in their shoes and say, is my situation better than their current situation? and right. how can I make it better the perfect fit you know and so I this is part of knowing myself is I really love business I enjoy the business part you know the the complexities the you know the just the internal guts of a business and a lot of people in my industry who have small firms they're kind of the maybe more entrepreneurial. And
2: Mm -hmm. so they don't
1: really love the business part. They just kind of accidentally, they accidentally got into that part, you know? Right, right. They were just great at what they did, good at the profession, but they've kind of hit a wall and can't get to the next level. And so for me, I've kind of identified. So, uh, you know, more generally it's say identify who are you and what do you want? And from an acquisition standpoint, who is the best, candidate for you to merge with. And for me, it's merging with that entrepreneurial type person that needs help with their business. Right. And I want people who are just great with serving others and doing a great job with their trade, whether it be engineering or surveying.
0: You know, I kind of feel like it just leans back a little bit on the influence model deal because my experience has been that few entrepreneurs are willing to offer up, Hey, you know what? I'm really in over my head here and I'm really struggling. I need to help. Uh, Can you help me? You know, not many, not many people are willing to do that really. uh, Which is the whole
1: piece of self-preservation, right? Right. Influence model is will people be willing to admit that they're holding on to things that really are outside of their strength zone and do they want to change, you know, do they want to be healthier and happier in their business situation,
0: hmm. yeah, I love it. Well, I think uh, you must be quite good at it. Four, four is a uh, you know, pretty good, pretty good number. You're shaking your head.
1: I mean, I'd say mostly I pray about it, and you know, and I can't tell you. This is probably important to know. I've had so many conversations, mm-hmm. so many. You know, for every acquisition transaction that happens, you know, it's maybe five to 10 to one, you know, it just, it's, you know, the first conversation is easy. Second conversation is easy. And then you start to get into the details. Right. And Hmm. then, you know, and then that's where the self-preservation part kicks in with a lot of folks and, and a lot of times money and, Real estate, you know, those Those are just typical roadblocks. And ultimately, at the end of the day, the person has to be willing to let go, right. Right? right? The control piece is the number one piece at the end of the day. And it may make sense in every logical way, but they say, you know what? I just can't do it. Yeah. I just so,
0: can't. <laughs> so I'm going to get a little bit personal here. Have they all gone swimmingly well, or have there been any missteps? Um,
1: Well, I mean, every, every time you merge cultures, even if you think you're aligned, there's always going to be, there's always going to be tension and change, right? It's it's really a change management exercise. Mm -hmm. It's like, there's the excitement from your organization of bringing somebody else on. And then there's the, the acquiree that's like, everything's going to change for me. Because in our experience, they've been smaller organizations blending into our bigger organization. And, you know, I think, I think they've all gone pretty well. Because I think they've all been focused on the person. You know, it's like, I don't want to get rid of you. I have no desire for you to be gone. I want you, not only do I not want that, I want you to be part of our family. You know, Mm -hmm. I want to be, I want you to be part of our DNA. And uh, I do think that there's a real strong sense of belonging for each of the one that we've, uh, ones that we've done. And, uh, you know, I'd love to do more. They're hard to do though, because there are always things that I just didn't think about, or I missed, or hmm. it's like, it. I forgot <laughs> to think about their server capacity versus our server capacity. And <laughs> right. we're going to have to renovate the building, but I didn't think about the three months it's going to take. What are we going to do in the meantime before, you know, just the, the weeds, you know, getting into the weeds, there's always stuff, you know, right. but, but I, I feel like that's part of, that's just part of business, right? It's just solving problems. It's right. Solving problems every day.
0: <laughs> well, you know, on that topic, I would imagine that some of the biggest challenges when you're doing an acquisition of another firm is, how you know, you're, you're going after them in part because you want access to the talent and you probably want to retain the customers too. And so how do you transition well and make that a good experience and sort of a good news event for the employees and customers of those acquisition targets?
1: The biggest thing to me is like really paying attention to the, the owner that's coming in. Mm-hmm. If they're happy, they're going to have a positive message that they're communicating to their
0: clients. Yeah. That's good advice. Yeah. yeah absolutely. If they're
1: happy, they're going to be like, Hey, this is better. And let me take that. I feel like that's part of like the dating process mm-hmm. is identifying, are we actually better together? do we have a story to tell? And, and if you can check those boxes that when you actually do come together, it's like, well, here's the story. Like all you got to do is tell the story because it really is better. You know, Right. it's not, you know, we haven't done acquisitions where we're, where it's paid tons of money and the owner runs off in the sunset. You know, it's, right. it's a different structure. And so there needs to be a great story on why we're better together. Mm -hmm. I like that. um, So that we can tell that story and it's a true story. You know, you're just speaking from your heart and people can see authenticity, right?
0: You know? Right. So tell me a little bit about how you view your role in the organization today. Uh, You're, uh, you know, obviously, you're wearing the CEO hat, you're leading the organization, but you've got a dispersed workforce at this point. I got to think there are some folks on your extended team that don't get to see a lot of FaceTime with Brandon Hutchins. But yeah. what's, what's your approach? And I, I also hear, and I think probably our listeners hear, that there's a strong faith element here, too. And I'd kind of like to hear how you how you interweave those two facets of your life.
1: Yeah. Well in terms of my role, I can tell you, you know, I'm in a phase right now where I need help, you know, mm. I need I need operational help right in the business. I think I think these the last two growth growth areas for us, Lawrenceville and Noonan, I think I under I underestimated just the geography and how it was harder for me to have a presence, you know? And so it was kind of pulling at me more. And the reason it's pulling at me is because I want to be with people. I want to be with the people. I want Mm -hmm. to, I want to, I want them to know that they are known that they're not a number that they, you know, you and I have talked about this before, this idea of being a pastor at work is I, Mm -hmm. I want, like, I literally, I want to know them and I want to know how can I support you? How can I support and challenge you in a way to help you to get to where you want to be? Like I, that, that is what I want for every person. And man, it is really challenging right now to, to just do that and be that. And.
0: Well, especially. Yeah. Amidst the pandemic.
1: And, yeah. <laughs> and the pandemic. Oh yeah. Just right. like being with people it's hard. I love it. That zoom is more acceptable. You know, that's a good thing.
0: Right. Um, Yeah.
1: And so, you know, that's something that I probably should just be more intentional with is just setting up more kind of face, face face-to-face meetings through zoom that I'm doing. But, but yeah, so my role, I, I currently just feel like I'm so I'm head down and dealing with, you know, a lot of the problem solving and just, growing the business pieces. And I don't feel like I'm, I'm, my heart wants to be more people focused and even external focused. And so I guess I'm just being vulnerable as I, I, I I know that I want and need to, to be more in that zone than I Mm -hmm. am today. And I'm working on, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to grow that part of the business so that I can Mm -hmm. shift my role a little bit in that capacity, and what was the second question you asked?
0: Well, actually, it, let's let's kind of zoom in on that uh you know pastor at work concept because
1: okay, uh, oh the faith the faith integration that's
0: well, well right. So I w- I would like to know a you hundred know, something employees while I. Th- I actually don't know, uh, but I I have not noticed on your website, we're a faith-based organization at Gaskins. Mm -hmm. And so I would imagine that with a hundred something employees, not everyone, when they uh, apply for a job at Gaskins is saying, hey, really hope my CEO is sort of a pastor minded person uh, that's going to invest in me personally. Uh, So how do you tell me about how that works at at Gaskins and uh, sort of what your approach is and, and what do you hope to achieve with, with that approach?
1: Right. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that we are overtly, you know, I don't like, I'm, that's not something that I really care about posting on the website. I just want to live that, you know, I want to live, I just want to be that in the way I live life and do relationships and would love for people to say, man, he seems different than Mm -hmm. maybe the normal CEO I mean, hey, don't get me wrong. We have that um, we have to be profitable. We those are the things that kind of make the right make the things spin. But but I think just trying to love people well, you know, that's that that's what I want my focus to be um, every day. And I'm not great, you know, I'm not great at it. There's some things that we do that. I'm glad we do. And I feel like we need to do so much more. You know, we have a, we have a team that is called our giving team. Hmm. It's like an independent team. And I've asked them just to really make connections within the company. And if they hear about needs within people in the company that they're there to help, you know, financially, if people have that kind of need or man in the COVID stuff, we've had multiple people who have, experience kind of the more difficult version of COVID mm-hmm. and um, they've been out of work for a while and and they need help. And, you know, this group is, I, I just, I love their hearts for the way they've wanted to kind of rally around people. And so the giving team is kind of a cool thing.
0: Yeah, that's really um, cool. So how do you, how do you do that, Brandon? Do you just set aside in your budget, Hey, I've got X number of dollars available for the giving team and you know, let them have at it?
1: Yeah. You know, the funny thing is um, I feel like I used to do that and just kind of identify a number. Mm-hmm. And I just um, at this point, I want to I want to say yes to everything. You know, I like I want them to have the. The mindset of just hey, how, how can we help people, even if it's even if it's not a ton, you know, for each person, it's like, how can we help every person? Wow. And we've had a couple of deaths within the company through the years and, Mm -hmm. you know, just be able to rally around spouses of, you know, and do some different things. It's uh, I, I just think that's important. Uh, The other piece that you might probably want to know, I I do this class, one of my favorite books. Have you, uh, have you read leadership and self-deception? No, I haven't. It's, uh, I love, it's a, it's a short read. It's, uh, it, those
0: are my favorite.
1: It, yeah. It's, it's an allegory <laughs> book too. So I'm, I'm like the worst reader in America. So when you hear me say that I've read a book and read it multiple times, right? like that's actually saying something. Right. <laughs> I, I, I don't read a ton, a ton, but, uh, but anyway, this book is an allegory and, and it walks through the story about how this one person is coaching a new manager to understand a philosophy of how they do business and why okay. they do it. And I read the book and I was like, man, i love I love what he's doing. And, and it caused me to say, I, I need to do that. Like wow. whenever we have new employees at any level, we have this thing called the connections class and, We talk about what's our history, our vision, our values, expectations for every employee, my share, my heart, my story, you know, and and that I really it's a mutual responsibility. Like I can't I can't see my field guys every day. It's just not not possible. They're You know, they're gone. They're out of this office most of the time. But I'm like, man, when when you're even close to my office, just come say, hey, (laughs) (laughs) like, you know, I'm just the CEO, you have a different title, but we're both human beings and I want to know you, you know, and, you know, I've got indirect employee directories that I that I try to, you know, study up on and, you know, it's got. Spouses and kids, and that's just important to me. Other people yeah. are like, That's dumb, but I, it's just <laughs> important to me, you know. And so, weaving my faith into that's just part of my faith is how can I love people well? Mm. Well, number one, I need to know them, I need to know what's going on with them, and you know, I want to be able to walk with them and pray for them when they're going through the adversities of life because they're absolutely plenty, you know. And right. the funny thing is, is when so right now my dad is in the ER. He has COVID Oh, um, oh I and that. he's hmm. he's in the ER right now. And it's just amazing just to see the number of employees that have reached out to me and just said, Hey, I heard about your dad praying for him, you know, Wow. you know, it, like it's, you know, you get emotional just thinking about that people, they, they really want to care and they do mm. care. Mm-hmm. And especially when they experience care on the other side, so yeah. Anyway.
0: Well, I did not know about your dad. I hope he's uh, recovering. Well. He's getting better every yeah. day. Yeah, he's getting good. better every day. That's so good. That's good. Hopefully,
1: he'll go home tomorrow.
0: Man, that'd be great. So, tell me, you've got uh, another business at least at least one more that I even know about. I think there might be more. How many businesses you are you involved in right now, Brandon? Right now, yeah,
1: a couple. Yeah? Um, okay, there, there, are several.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I know, um, I know about integrity. Tell us about integrity.
1: Integrity is a construction management and uh, general contracting business, and
0: so for our that listeners, that. what you see behind me is Integrity's work. They, they, they yeah, have, they did your updated, the renovation
1: right. on your building. That's, that's right.
0: right. That's right.
1: And that, it probably describes me some. I am, Matt, you know me well, I am not a very innovative person. Like I do not, you know, I am not cutting edge with anything. But I feel like I'm always looking for that intersection of people's desires and opportunity. And if I can help, if I can help make those two things come together. I love doing that and I love business. So it's kind of like with Integrity, there was an employee who had a lot of experience with construction management and there was a big need in our Gaskins industry. employee? There was a Gaskins employee huh? that um, there was just a need. A lot, of, a lot of that sector of people during the recession had, had really gone away. Mm -hmm. Um, and there was a need and I was like, well, Hey, you know, if this is part of what you want to do, then let's do it. So essentially we just started integrity and it, it has shifted a few times since that original uh, foundation that one guy ended up taking another business opportunity. Um, but Matt Donald came in about four Four and a half years ago and just done a great job. And it's part of his heart's desire to be community minded. And um really he was the one that added the GC side of the business onto the construction management. I see. And you know, it's been great. It's uh again, lot still challenges all the time and lots of problems to solve, but you know, having partners. You know, that's another that's another whole topic. Sure is. Yep. You know, trying to be a good partner to the other person and provide support and challenge and some mentoring and also a lot of freedom. It's uh, you know, that's not the easiest thing in the world to do. But Matt's doing a great job. I'm proud of what he's doing at integrity.
0: Yeah, I've gotten to know Matt a little bit and uh, definitely a good guy. And I can see how you guys get along really well, I bet.
1: And he's a completely different voice than me, which I think is a part of, that's a whole nother thing. But with him as a connector and me as a guardian, we're, we're really, are, we're very different in our personalities. And I think what we bring to the table is very different as well.
0: Yeah. And well, that uh, often really, we've talked about this before, I think sometimes, a lot of times people see those differences as problems. And, mm-hmm. uh, and folks have a hard time getting along because they see the world differently. You talked about that with Johnny. Uh, you talked about that a little bit with Matt. But the reality is, as many times, that's a real strength when you can bring those two different uh, worldviews together for a common good. Uh, it Seems like you've sort of mastered that approach.
1: Well, I mean, mastered is, you know, I've definitely matured more and I think, that begins with you know that was part of my giant journey as well. The first step was seeing people as people, right? Not as mm-hmm. objects. I think that was the two D part of my growth, and then the the three dimensional part of my growth has been learning to value all kinds of people who mm. are different. You know, it's just natural to think that the way you're wired is the best way to be wired, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and so you only want to you right. only want to who are wired just like you. Right. And, and maturity comes, I feel like, when you can begin to appreciate people who are different than you and bring different things to the table. You know, and I, I'm not perfect at that, but I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get better at really recognizing, man, situationally, there are tons of people who are way better than me at certain things and situations and I'm better than them in certain situations, mm-hmm. just depending on just your voice and your wiring and nature, nurture choices, all that kind of stuff.
0: I remember way back when, before I got familiar with Myers-Briggs and got kind of plugged into the giant nomenclature of the five voices, I was kind of a disc guy. I liked the uh, the disc yeah. assessment, but I just remember specifically Talking with uh, the test consultant where we bought the disk tests, they would say, "Hey, you know, you're, you're probably going to want to have your team charted out on this disk chart, and you want it to look like a shotgun shot. You know, you you want you want some D, you want some I, you want some S. You know, you want to you want to have everybody grouped into together." And I've found that that's completely true. That uh, when you've got a diverse Business uh, with multiple voices uh, at play, boy, you can get a lot accomplished when you kind of bring all those strengths together. And yeah, there's some friction from time to time because somebody you know acts differently or communicates differently than than, uh, than we do. But ultimately, that's a strength. You also see that in just relationships. You know, we all heard opposites attract, and I can't tell you how many couples I know. And Maureen and I are are a couple like this. We're, our personalities are very different, and that could be seen as a negative. But in reality, you know, bring bring those two together, and we can accomplish a lot together. You know, that that opposites attract is actually a really positive thing. Yeah, you and Nancy, you're you're basically the same person, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, it was embarrassing because uh, one of the first books that came out was giant was the five voices and i actually didn't really know nancy's voice at the time oh okay and uh and i was speculating in the book it says oh. uh and it wasn't actually what her voice ended up being oh no and i was like yeah shows you how much i i know her turns out she's a creative which uh-huh. which is kind of my nemesis voice and it's kind of hardest for me to kind of see and navigate and know, but. But you know, I think the creatives are awesome, and I, I look around. Thank you, Brandon. There, there's a, there's such a low percentage of creatives in the world, mm-hmm. and yet I know and am friends with many creatives. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's mind boggling. I don't quite where, understand.
0: We're a lovable people.
1: <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, <Right>. that, sometimes. <laughs> right.
0: Well, you know maybe, what
1: maybe it's my problem solving It's just maybe <laughs> I'm just trying to fix them right? <laughs> right
0: There's a lot of work to do there the ample ample opportunity uh, so speaking of nancy you, you're so you're running several businesses, a couple, several is what you said. You're active in your church, I think I counted four kids, and they're all over the place, college, high school. And then uh, what, middle school? You don't have you don't have anybody in elementary still, right? Elementary, yeah. Twelfth, 12, oh,
1: ninth, fifth, and sophomore in
0: college. Wow. How do you balance that? I mean, that's a lot. That's just a lot. And you know, and you were even talking about, you know, multiple locations in this business and trying to be present with a hundred people. How in the world do you balance all of that? Or yeah. do you? Um well,
1: I think in general with, you know, multiple businesses and home life and I, um, a concept that there was a couple that led our small group. This was this was probably in the early 2000s and they they are a very intentional couple and have lots of influence in the community. And, you know, I remember Cindy talking to me about overlapping and how important overlapping has been to hmm. the way they do all that they do, and um, and I would say that's something that stuck with me, and I try to do that within. So my my business relationships and friendships many times have a lot of overlap, and so hmm. I tr- I try to be intentional about um, you know maybe. Uh, Checking boxes is the wrong word, but you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to connect and be intentional with people and it might it might influence multiple situations. And then I'd say with my kids, they're really great and they're all different, which is hilarious. They're you know, if you're if you're a parent of multiple kids, it's funny because they're not necessarily going to be just like you and they're no. going to be different than you. And so all of this leadership training has helped me a lot mm-hmm. to see my kids for who they are, like as individuals. And I try to see them individually and be with them individually with four kids. You know, they want to be known, you know, sure. I think that's just a desire is I want to be known. And so, I might try to take take one to breakfast or take it to lunch. We try to do some special trips that are just one on one, and we try to do some that are family too. So I try to Nancy and I try to go on a date every week. With that's one of the things early in our marriage that we just felt like was important, and we see experiences as important as well. And so we. We just try to be intentional. That's really, uh, that seems like such a generic answer, but that's, that's probably my answer is just being intentional. There's so much wasted time. Like I waste so much time and there's just so much wasted time that if you are intentional about the way you use your time and I'll brag on you, Matt, you're like your schedule. I've seen your schedule, your color coded (laughs) schedule. Um, I love it. I mean, you're very intentional with how you use your time, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I I try to be. And and I think when you are intentional, it does help you to be able to balance things. I've been working more recently, and that has to do with probably capacity and kind of what I was saying before about right. my role. And I really don't like that because I really want to be more present. I want to be more present mentally and physically uh, with my family and, and with my friends and you know and with people here at work, you know. So yeah.
0: well that's a lot. Tell me, you uh as you look ahead, what's 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 next for you? What's what does the future look like? We're all I think we're all sort of okay, we're gonna get through this pandemic. Finally, and you know, we're all going to go take a trip somewhere and maybe sit on a beach and uh, have a cocktail or something like that. But but beyond that, what's what's sort of your uh, your plan for the next several years?
1: So I'm 46, and so I've begun to maybe look at chunks of my life. You know, Mm -hmm. maybe 50s the next milestone, and you know, I I think my latest thought is just trying not to get too far ahead of myself Mm -hmm. and. I really, I'm excited about what we're doing at Gaskins and, and integrity. And I know that giant will always be a part of my, you know, my heart and my life. And so, you know, I want to do more of that as I can and I want to be giving away what's been given to me. And so leading small groups, I, it really just feels like probably more of the same. Mm -hmm. Um, But I will say in particular, I just really love business. And yeah. so our mutual friend, Chad, you know, Merrill, who mm-hmm. um, he's
0: been on the show got, also.
1: Yeah. I've, I've got some connection with him and partner with him on some things. And it's been really fun to see, to see businesses kind of, he and I look at some different stuff together and I feel like I'm always kind of in this state of learning, you mm-hmm. know, when you when you get to see other businesses and other CEOs and the way they do things, that's a learning opportunity right It's like man you know i I need to I need to really consider that that's a great idea and so the more I get exposed to more businesses, the more ideas it gives me about you know my own nice. and so
0: well that's a that's not a
1: real clear plan for my future It's probably <laughs> just the more of the same and and if i was being really honest with you matt i would just say i just want to be wherever the lord wants me to be and i'm and i'm open to that because i just know that when when i'm trying to get my own way i'm probably missing out on probably the best things that are in store for me um and So I'm trying not to think too much about it, even though, man, I can't wait to be empty nesting,
0: (laughs) like you. Um, Yeah, that's pretty fun. I'm not. I'm not going to lie. It's pretty fun. It's nice. You know what? It goes by. It goes by super quick, though. And I know you know know. that. But I think people really learn. It goes. You know where that phrase comes from. Time flies. Uh, Yeah. You know when they're when they're parents, but uh, you know, Maureen and I relatively new empty nesters over the past year or so and look back and say gosh you know in some ways in the middle of parenting it seemed like this is our life right and then when you're an empty nester and the kids are off on their own and doing their own thing it's like wow that was really a flash in the pan you know it's 20 years basically and if you are lucky enough to live to 80, it's only 25% of your life. It goes by very, very quickly. So, yeah,
1: I know you're... For me, it's going to be more like 30 years yeah. because, of the
0: <laughs> right. spread, because of the spread. We the spreading. Yeah, the we, <laughs> we, we kind of knocked ours out back to back. So <laughs> we go through that <laughs> pretty quick. Well, that's awesome, Brandon. Good job. Uh, let's move on to the lightning round. So this is just a few questions we try and ask every guest uh, of the Rock okay. Business Podcast. And, you know, I'm going to be very interested to hear your answer to this. Tell us about one person who's made a profound impact on your journey.
1: All right. I'm going to pick two just because I've talked so much about Jeremy. Jeremy, for sure, has been a catalyst for a lot of positive change in my own life. So Jeremy has been very influential in my life. There's a guy named David Eldridge who's my pastor oh,
0: and okay.
1: You know, he's my best friend too. We uh planted a church together in 2006
0: in your spare time. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and we we have lunch together every Wednesday and I would just say his his so it's been like 20 years we've gone to lunch every Wednesday. Wow. And he I would just say he has been such an encourager and just a model for me, just in living Hmm. life and bouncing ideas off of and sharing burdens and problems. And, you know, it's interesting, you know, he knows more about Gaskins than anybody (laughs) Um, and he's not even in Gaskins. And uh, so anyway, I just, he has been very influential just by, being there, sharing time, and then just living his life with integrity and character. So,
0: Mentors are so important. Uh, Yeah. And it sounds like you've got two really great ones. Yeah. Nice. For sure. What's the single most important lesson you've learned in your professional career?
1: Easily the the people that like seeing people as people Mm -hmm. and then valuing seeing them and then learning how to value people that are different from you. Right. You know, probably both of those lump together, the people part for sure. Yeah. But I'm naturally, I'm naturally more of a competence type person, you know, naturally. Sure, sure. So me learning that other side changed everything for my business and life.
0: Love it. So you said you're not, the readings maybe not your favorite thing. Are you a podcast guy? What what sort of has your attention right now, and how do you learn new things?
1: Well, I love talking to other CEOs for sure. Mm-hmm. Like right. I love that's that's uh, that's my best tutorial. And I I'm I'm bluff. I've I've read a lot of books. Um, I don't listen to podcasts, but um, I don't. Oh, you're missing out, but, man. Yeah. I uh, I don't read a lot of new books. How about mm. that? Okay, it's kind of like if they get if they get tested and people are <laughs> like, "Oh, I love this book." Hey, The Advantage is a great book, and I hear oh. three people say that. Then I'm like, okay, well then I'll read that book.
0: So you have um, to have the public vet it for you.
1: That's right. That's right. That's kind of the story of my life. You might be a, you're, you're more cutting edge than I am. So (laughs) um, I'm, I'm going to wait. And so books like Great by Choice, uh, Integrity, Leadership and Self-Deception, which I mentioned, there's one called The Pursuit of God that I just read. That's, wow, that was pretty awesome. Um, Mm
0: -hmm. Fantastic. So, if people want to learn more about you or uh Gaskins or integrity, what's the best way for them to reach out and find more information?
1: Probably just email me. It's yeah. uh, b b Hutchins at gscsurvey.com. Our phone number is 770-424-7168. You know, I'm probably call me on myself, but I'll let I'll let Matt filter that and then <laughs> there you
0: go. <laughs> nice job. All right. On that note, I think it's time to wrap things up, Brandon, for myself and our audience. Thank you for joining us today. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in. Should you have any suggestions on future topics that you'd like to hear more about, please email us at podcasts at rocketit.com. And finally, a quick plug for Rocket IT. We help businesses leverage technology to create seamless networks that encourage productivity and profitability. To learn how a personalized roadmap can bring efficiency to your business and clarity to your team visit rocketit.com slash roadmap dash help, or click the link in this episode's description.